Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Steadfast Running Podcast and Happy New Year. We're still here. We are, just about, despite a probably two or three week hiatus. Yeah, no, I mean, we've both been all over the place the last couple of weeks, yeah, but we're busy. back giving the people what they want, which is a bunch of chat about running. I hope so, yes. And to be fair, we've been giving ourselves what we want as well, because we've both achieved a hell of a lot in, we have. in 2019, and we can look forward to 2020 as well. Yeah, well, as much as it's been a busy couple of weeks for us, it's also been quite a successful couple of weeks, and we'll get onto that later, but both of our highlights of 2019, one of the top three that we've picked has come within the last couple of weeks for us both, which yeah. is quite interesting. But moving away from us and onto the global athletics scene, let's just do a little bit of a year in review, Yeah, just because everybody's doing it, and it'll be fun to get our perspective on this as well. Yeah, I think of, it, Like our, the Steadcast top three highlights of 2019, just yeah. from the, the I, sort of the global running scene. I think it's a bit of a disservice to the world of running if we don't at least mention a few of the things that happened last year. Exactly. Sounds, sounds weird saying that now, doesn't it? But <laughs> that's always what happens at this time. Sorry, everyone, I just smacked my microphone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think let's let's run through that quickly and then obviously we can dive into something that we're going to talk about obviously in a little bit more detail in a moment. So where do you want to start? Well, let's start off with some honourable mentions because let's be honest, narrowing it down to three is, I mean, it was tough. (laughs) We struggled. So first honourable mention goes to the man who very nearly hit the world record in the marathon and somebody who you actually wanted in the top three originally. But I I kind of, what's, what's the word for it when you... When you say don't like to not have something, I can't remember. I cannot think of the word. Um, veto. I vetoed it from okay, the top yeah. three. Uh, that makes to you include so- a certain other thing. Yeah, that makes you sound like a boss, doesn't it? I it vetoed does. that. I yeah. Vetoed it. Yeah. <laughs> Check, checked it off in the managers' meeting at the end. <laughs> but yeah, Kennedy Subakeli, two hundred one marathon, it's unbelievable, unbelievable, and doesn't make the top three for the year. Who'd have said? Who'd have thought at the start of twenty nineteen? If I had said to you, yeah, someone's going to run a 201 marathon and it's not going to be in the top three best running moments of the year. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Would you have said anything or would you just straight up slap me in the face and <laughs> told me to stop being an idiot? Yeah, I would have I would have questioned it as somebody who follows the scene so closely and, re- yeah, and think how much we all freaked out at the first 201 marathon. <laughs> exactly. And that wasn't a world record. Yeah. But we have two world records that are also on our, just the honourable mentions list, yeah. not even in the big top three. Yeah. And that is the world half marathon record from Jeffrey Camerow, which was fifty eight oh one in Copenhagen, I believe. It was Copenhagen. Yeah. yeah. You seem to be better at knowing where these things take place than I was, yeah. than I am for whatever reason. And the four hundred meter hurdles world record for the women, I honestly haven't written down the time, but I know it was at the U.S. Champs. Both of them, both of Sydney McLaughlin and I haven't done my research, but the woman who won. Both went under the world record, the previous world record. Oh, yeah, I do remember seeing that. Like, yeah. imagine coming second in the US champs, running a world record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well. Yeah, what more can you ask for? You, they say, oh, how much more can you ask when you finish a race than just to run a PB? Well, she ran a world record and she still didn't win. Yeah, well, to draw a parallel to that, from like we talked about with the marathon almost being broken, if you think the person who finished London second finished faster than the the previous course the, record yeah uh, the previous course record and the old dennis cometo world record 
as Very well. Very true. Yeah. So so it's obviously um <laughs> yeah like you say there's a few people that have kind of just gone away with that same feeling this year. Yeah. Well the world the record books are being rewritten. 2019 was a huge year for outstanding performances. Yeah. And obviously the pinnacle of performance in athletics is the world championships. And we had a busy world championships. Like it was out in Doha. There was crazy heat. There was controversy about the air conditioned stadium. Yeah. The marathons. I mean, here's our first honorable mention from the Doha world champs is the women's marathon. Lots of drama. I mean, even crazy. Even even didn't they start it in the middle of the night? I can't remember when they when it was midnight done. marathon. Yeah, yeah, no, they literally the gun went off at midnight, and it was still so hot and um, so humid. Like there was carnage out there on the course. Yeah. And this is probably controversial, and you know what I'm about to say here. Go on. From an entertainment standpoint, like just purely as a spectator of that. Yeah. It was quite entertaining. I mean, I found myself absolutely glued to that marathon the thing is though is that we should not be it's very entertaining when you go out and watch someone fly around a world record like mm. you know, watching Usain Bolt run a world record is phenomenal very entertaining but at the same time that was such a pure raw race yeah and you saw like the people who got it wrong like for example the Ethiopian women I think they all DNF'd yeah and, and those who got it right really got it right I think there was an American woman who finished sixth yeah who's not I don't think her time actually ranks within the top six Americans and she finished sixth at the world championship, which, and that's just, that's crazy. But the thing is, is that's, um, that's, that's more about racing. And the thing is, you know, and you'll have obviously lots of experience with this and I'm sure your athletes uh, will, and maybe even people listening that have just run, you know, they've tried to beat their mate at park run or something like that. You can go out and you can run a race, which on paper isn't that quick. Like you've probably had lots of races where the time you've run hasn't been fast, but from a racing standpoint, it's you been really outperformed yourself. Exactly, it's been really hard, really technical, and you finished it going like, good, like you turn around to the person at the end, you go, "That was a good run." Like you had me, <laughs> you had me worried along that back bit, but I got you at the end, or something like that. You know, you have that same kind of feeling when you finish it. Is it doesn't necessarily. Here we go. This is a good statement, I think. Go on. To be a good race, it doesn't necessarily have to be a fast race. Yep. No, you've you've absolutely nailed that. I mean. Look at things like if we're if we're sticking to the marathon, for example, the Boston Marathon. If you catch that on a bad day, like I think it was 2017, where they had a headwind basically the entire way, like half of the elite field got hypothermia because there's not an ounce of fat on them. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Marathons are brutal. Whichever way you cut it, they're just they're brutal. They're brutal enough without horrible weather conditions. Yeah. But then you've got things like cross country, which nobody cares what time you run in a cross country. Yeah. No. First of all, nobody really knows what the distance is. Yeah. And second of all, it doesn't matter. It's just pure racing in its purest form. That's it. And yeah, no, there's, there's really something to be really satisfied about that equally as much as if you go out and run a 5K PB or a 10K PB or even the park run, like you say. I, say if it's a grassy park run, it's, there's no paths or anything in the park that you're doing it in. Like Kesgrove, for example, our local park run. Yeah. It's a lot easier, and you know this from personal experience, it's a lot easier to run quicker there on a dry day than on a horrible sloppy muddy day like the time that you did the other week yeah which we'll get to but it can be just as gratifying to run slightly slower in those horrible conditions and maybe beat one of your local rivals or someone that you've been that's it someone that you've been targeting to try and run well against for for a while and you nip them on the line or in the last hundred meters or something that can be just as gratifying as a massive personal best yeah and the thing is i think that sort of i think you can draw parallels to 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 that same idea across sport like let's be honest we've all watched 
football matches and things like that where on paper you'd say god it was a disaster because which you know because one team that should be infinitely better than another team let in three goals but the overall game was just so exciting to watch so exactly well it's like when Leicester won the league like how brilliant was that season it was wide open exactly you know and and it's really fun like I say to be able to draw parallels across it and that's I think it's a really positive attitude to have and and Mm. obviously why it gets into the honourable mentions at least and the highlights yeah no definitely I mean bringing it back to that race like it was absolutely brutal and it probably should never be done again (laughs) but from an entertainment standpoint I was glued to my tv yeah i watched every second of that race thinking like what's happening when like is somebody gonna hit the wall is the pace gonna suddenly just absolutely drop out of nowhere is somebody gonna make a crazy move and then fly yeah yeah like and like it would be such a big risk to try and run just at your normal marathon pace in that type of race so that gets a strong honorable mention a for just as like almost a testimony to those women for finishing that race in such brutal conditions time and b because i personally i found that so entertaining yeah i thought it was just a really good race to watch that being said like it just ethically it was a disaster (laughs) like making them do that and i think doha secured the world championships under somewhat shady circumstances as well so that being said though and without diving into this because this is we are not a political podcast in any (laughs) stretch of the imagination (laughs) it's it's you know the middle east is clearly somewhere where more and more events are going to start happening obviously you and i watched Mm. anthony joshua's fight there in in saudi arabia yes we did there we go boxing box ticks job done um (laughs) first boxing reference of 2020 love it Oh, I can't help myself. It's just great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously got that there. They're obviously talking about hosting the World Cup out there as well. Mm. You know, uh, and all of this sort of thing is a growing area. And despite the ethical issues, it's something we're going to have to begin seeing. And you've got to almost feel sorry, like you say, those women, because effectively what they did when they were all ready to go in the middle of the night, they were effectively 26.2 mile guinea pigs. Yeah, well, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know. well, yeah, there is, you do kind of have to, because it's a world championships, you do have to be inclusive of every area in the world in yeah. terms of giving them equal opportunity to host it. But at the same time, like if it's at the kind of detriment of the athletes themselves, like everybody else got to run in a nice air conditioned stadium or compete in a nice air conditioned stadium. Yeah. And even that they didn't really properly get right. Like some days it was too cold. Some yeah. days it was, like if you're sprinting, for example, if you're a hundred meter sprinter, and it's 40 degrees outside where you're doing all of your training and then suddenly you have to go and compete in a 20 degree stadium yeah you're at risk of pulling something if you've not warmed up yeah even if you have yeah. warmed up properly <laughs> like, yeah no I uh, the cool room procedure at world championships and olympic games is crazy like you've done you're finished with your warm-up a good 30 40 minutes before you actually get to go out onto the track yeah i get yeah so either way world championships <laughs> world yeah. championships women's marathon honorable mentions Another honourable mention is in the men's marathon, specifically to Callum Hawkins, for an absolutely heroic run, finishing fourth place overall. I mean, a lot of people wrote him off before yeah. that race. And you know what was good? And I think someone like Callum Hawkins, he he deserves to run well, considering that obviously his last, I think, I don't know if it was his last marathon in Australia. He ran think- London between that and this okay, world right, but that was yeah. his australia was his last championship marathon yeah and you know and obviously what happened there i think that's a residing memory with a lot of people yeah so well let's clear up for anyone who's listening that doesn't that isn't familiar with callum hawkins or what happened there 
So the race in Australia that we're referring to is the Commonwealth Games Marathon on the Gold Coast in Australia. Callum was leading the race at, I think it was just before 40k, so he only had about 2k to go. It was really close. When he succumbed to severe dehydration and actually ended up collapsing on the course. It was was horrible to watch. It just, Mm. what you literally saw is you literally just saw a man fold in half like a piece of paper. It was was really nasty to watch. What was really harder to watch about it as well is that no one did anything for ages. Yeah. Like... Yeah, it was... It, it was sad to see and, and the thing is I think people feel a bit awkward in that situation because they don't you know th- there's that barrier there you as a spectator you do not cross that barrier but then yeah but then there's no medical professionals that are like coming and doing anything it, like, exactly yeah, yeah. And, and, and what can you do as well in that situation yeah. if I saw a dude just faint in the street I'd have no idea what to do yeah exactly just and start screaming for help so like, so to see to, to obviously see him you know go through that and to to really not be in a good way for for quite a while afterwards you know you think what that does to someone well it was almost a full year before he ran it, it yeah. was london marathon 2019 was his next marathon after that yeah. after the gold coast and to think you know it, it's like physically is one thing if you you know you, you didn't finish a marathon or you hurt it but think of the boogeyman that he must have had those demons that he must have mm. had to go to bed with for those first few nights after that happened in Australia, and then those first, you know, those last few nights before racing in London. Yeah. Obviously, he's going to be a little bit more comfortable in London, it's home turf, etc. But think about, think about going through your head and going like, last time I ran a marathon, I was doing as well as I possibly could, and it all went wrong at the last moment. Exactly. You, well, I mean, just to... By the time he came down the embankment, he must have been terrified, especially... <laughs> and the fact that, you know, I say that, he probably... He was probably doing okay because when by the time he came down the embankment, those last couple of miles for him in the marathon um, in London, mm-hmm. he was, I can't remember the name of the bloke he was racing against, but he was, Ratchik, the yeah, Italian. He, he was right on someone's shoulder the yeah. whole way down. And that probably actually kept him in check just because he had that he person had someone to, to kind of follow. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the Gold Coast, he was, I think it was two minutes in the lead ahead was, of Mike was, Shelley, the it Australian. Was huge, it was huge. Yeah. I mean, just an insane lead to be carrying. I mean, yeah. he didn't need to, and I've heard him in interviews talking about this is his mind at that point was telling him like no you're going to get caught you've got to go faster you've got to go faster all the way up until he collapsed that's he was telling himself he has to pick it up that's which that's, is crazy and yeah. you mentioned about the mental demons and things like that but like i don't i know callum a little bit but not too well but that kid is tough yeah like it probably barely had an effect on him like he's Fair. so tough i mean although i mean you never know what's going on in somebody's head yeah so Perhaps. Anyway, moving away from that, shout out Callum, fourth place in the world after finishing fourth in London 2017. No one's backing you more than us to medal in Tokyo in 2020. He's already been pre-selected for that. So nice. Yeah, I think that will actually be his next marathon. So that's going to be really exciting to see. Yeah, nice. But moving away from the marathon, the women's 1500 meters at the World Championships was an epic race. And I don't think you caught it, did you? No, I didn't, no. No, so basically it was just, it was absolutely rapid. Siphon Hassan, who we have our opinions on that we'll keep to ourselves for now, took the race wire to wire, ran an absolutely massive time, and then just everyone behind her, it was PBs, national records. It was just a really cool race to watch. Glory race. Exactly. It was just fast, like it was just so fast, which you rarely see in a World Championship 1500 final. Usually they just sort of, amble around for a bit and then sprint the last six to four to three to 200 meters more of a technical kind of approach yeah it's the race at the world championship almost or the olympics for that matter or any any major championship almost always goes tactical in the 1500 so to see it go so fast in a major final was quite cool to see regardless of 
extenuating circumstances yeah. that uh, ultimately though i think with races like that and like i say i'll be honest i haven't watched it but i know i know the character of how a race like that looks mm. it, just everyone's just going from it gun to tape it's just awesome to see how much people te- like you know they just go out and they go right we've got to really test our minerals today mm. no um, exactly and shout out to laura muir who had an, an incredible run in that race but speaking of british performances at the world championships I mean, arguably now the the golden girl of British athletics, Dina Asher-Smith. Yeah, yeah. We just obviously watched her 200-meter race before we started recording this. And, did. you know, for for me, somebody who's watched that, you know, I think once or twice now, but, you know, probably seen the highlights on the news. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to see... I think there's an attitude towards British people outside of Mo Farah, which we don't stand a chance in running. Do you know what I mean? I hope <laughs> yeah, you know no, what I, I mean by I, that. I kind of do, yeah, because, well, 2012, what were the other gold medals that we won? It was the heptathlon from Jess Anes. It yeah, was yeah. the long jump from Rutherford. That might have been it. It might and have been Mo. those two and Mo, yeah. I think, in athletics. So to, so to Sorry see... Sorry if I missed anyone. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, Olympians. You're much, <laughs> yeah. you're much better than all of us. Yeah, um, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, to see someone like that have success... And to have quite well, what was you know, I was going to say? What did you say when you when she was like she blew the field away? Yeah, yeah, she, yeah just, she just she destroyed them. She made them look it. amateur. Yeah, yeah. So so to have that performance, you know, that's a that's a performance you can really get behind, especially as we now move into an Olympic year. You know, you it's look at that. You look at that, it, yeah. and then you hear about um, old what's her face Fraser? Is it Fraser Price from Jamaica? Sure, and Fraser Price. That's it. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know. To hear her say, right, she's going to go for that it again. Big head-to-head between those two. You know, I mean, you, that could be one of the races of the Olympic Games. Yeah, you're already starting to build the excitement yeah. and stuff like that. You know, even saying it now, you kind of get like that. <laughs> yeah, that's someone I want to watch. You know? Yeah, definitely. That's really exciting. Last honourable mention from the World Championships before we move into the big three was just Katrina Johnson-Thompson. Incredible. Like, Finally. The best all-around female athlete in the world. Yeah. Taflon world champion. Yeah, and do you know what? Something that I said was really it was really uplifting because she kind of i tell you what she has that kind of approach because of obviously her her sort of break onto the scene it felt like it happened during um jessica ennis's yeah she like, was always kind peak. of the, yeah. she was almost in the shadow she was almost like the girl next door in that yes. kind of respect and now she's kind of come of age it has that type of feeling to it yeah and yeah. and to see to see that she kind of finally earned you know she she earned she's gold not medal. yeah no she's yeah. not the next Jess Ennis anymore she's the first KJT yeah and, yeah no I like that and it's and and I think you know for a lot of people it's almost it, you sometimes get the impression with athletes like that who you've known of for a while but they haven't necessarily broken through you kind of get mm. that are they going to do it are they going to do it and you never quite know and then when they go out and they have one of those outstanding performances like she did and obviously came home so successful mm. you sort of you, ha- you you almost have that wash relief go over you like yes we've got somebody here who we can get behind and absolutely and, and she'll be another poster see. girl for the olympics this year in tokyo and Big time. her versus tiama is again going to be a really cool head to head there'll be pictures of her all, all, i reckon all Everyone, around all, like yeah. london underground and all that sort of stuff yeah <laughs> she'll like i say she will be one of the real poster girls i reckon i think well yeah yeah, her, Dina, and now that Mo's announced he's running the 10,000, are probably going to be the big three kind of poster people for, yeah. for British athletics. But Agreed. moving on from the longest honourable mention session Definitely, ever. Definitely, yeah. We can just <laughs> rattle these three off in like 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's start off with the one that I chucked in in place of the vetoed Bekele run. Yeah. And that is the World Cross Country Championships in Aarhus. I think I pronounced that correctly. Denmark. 
specifically the men's race won by Joshua Chepdegai. I just want to give him a special shout out because I love Chepdegai. And you said this as well as he's like the future, the guy to watch. Yeah, 100%. The Chepdegai to watch. Wait, <laughs> that was terrible. We, we might even have to edit out. That was really bad. <laughs> no, that's I actually feel guilty. Definitely staying in. <laughs> but no, love Chepdegai. And just that event was crazy. The course was insanely hard. They had tons of hills, tons of that. They ran up the side of a museum, basically, like ran up the roof of a museum on a ten percent grade. Which, Jeez, that's yeah, nasty. Steep, yeah, steep. And it was just, yeah, it was one of those brutal races in a similar fashion to the women's world championship marathon, where it was just carnage. Like, yeah, people were able to finish in positions that, in a race, if it was just a a glorified road race on the grass, essentially, which the world cross country generally has been up until now. People finished in positions that they could never dream of doing. Yeah. But because of the nature of that course and because it was just a real tough slog, like start to finish, you went up that 10% grade five times in the senior men's and senior women's race. That's that's Which another thing about the World Cross Country as well, first time that the men and women have run equal distances. They both ran 10K. Previously, the men would run 12 and the women would run eight, but they've met in the middle that's now the championship distance for both men and women for the world cross country. And I think that's a good thing. It's probably just quite sensible more than anything else. Makes it less complicated, yeah. makes it less complicated for spectators as well. Yeah. And yeah. especially in athletics, which as we know, can sometimes be a difficult sport for people to follow and really get into. Exactly. Let's just simplify it. Just yeah. all run the same distance. And obviously, you know, Seb Coe's talked about standardizing and simplifying a lot of the athletics events in obviously, is it in the diamond league? Where he's done that, or I yeah, uh, well, I I don't like what he's done with the Diamond League personally, but no, but you, but you, you know, whether you agree with it morally or not, my point is the his idea of trying to make it more spectator friendly is yeah, he's it's, an, it's the it's, it's a the, good attitude. If it's to, the thought that counts, yeah, then he's got it right. But exactly. because he's responsible for world athletics, he's in my opinion cocked up horribly. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, we're, again, talk about it. From we an, digress. We're, from from, an we're talking entertainment about, standpoint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we're talking about positive things right now. Yeah. So that's our that's my kind of bronze medal, I suppose, if you will, of yeah. highlights of 2019. Yeah, the silver medal. We've got to give it to Bridget Koskai. Yeah. For her, I mean, that's just an insane run. Regardless was, of what you want to say about shoes or anything like that or the court, whatever, no matter what you got to say, a woman running 214.04 for the marathon is ridiculous. Breaking yeah. Paula Radcliffe's world record, which I've probably said in the last 12 months will never be broken. I remember specifically you saying it to me when we were on the track training for Project 5 all that time ago now. I remember (laughs) us talking about it and you saying to me, yeah, it will never be broken. Yeah, well, I genuinely thought that that was the best world record in athletics. And that and Daniel Komen's 723,000 meter record were, in my opinion, the two best world records. And now she's shattered it, taken over a minute off of it. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. And the thing is, she had a wicked season as well. When you consider, obviously, she breezed through in London. I'm fairly sure she breezed the Great North Run as well. Sure, I've actually written it down here, 64.28 in the Great North Run, Jesus. which is under the Jesus. official world record for the women's half but marathon. But it's a point, point to point. But it's a, yeah, it's yeah. a point to point course, which means that it's not legal for ratification from the IAAF. It's a and great big downhill bit at the end. <laughs> and it is also <laughs> technically downhill. Yeah, I think it's... I don't want to give a number of what the net downhill is, but it's not that much, but it is enough yeah. that it's not a record legal course. But, but to see... But I think 64.28, yeah. I mean, that's insane. That's actually yeah. two seconds quicker than my half marathon personal best, yeah. which is 64.30. Granted, 
I think I can run a good minute or two quicker than that. <laughs> but I mean, still, like the, when you put it into that context, like that's crazy. Yeah, and I think, like I say, to to maybe put that into the context of a, of the season that she had, and I don't know how old she is, but she feels like she's you know still relatively fresh on the scene. I literally, I couldn't give you, a out, out I couldn't even give you a number within ten years. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it's certainly not a name that I feel like you know watching London and things like that that you sometimes you hear her once or twice but she's not one that you feel like has been outstanding over the last few years so she's clearly got some big things ahead of her yeah big, definitely big, big things. and speaking of people who have been around forever our winner our moment of 2019 i mean if you've not guessed it yet then you've never listened to this podcast before because <laughs> he's one of the big three things that we always have to talk about exactly it's elia kipchoge runs 159 in vienna for the marathon, I mean, that's just. What, what, do we even need to? Can we just drop Mike? But basically, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think. I genuinely don't think that we need to discuss it anymore, other than just just to recap. Don't talk about the performance, but just talk for you know a minute or two just on your whole feelings around it. Is it's just to, yeah, it's just it was a magical, it, a magical couple of hours, wasn't it? Like, yeah, just and seeing a human break a barrier that we thought previously was just. I mean, it was pretty much impossible yeah. like well do you know what i think obviously we've already mentioned his name once dennis Kometo. i have a sneaking suspicion there's a quote from him somewhere down the line or it might have been the person who had the marathon world record before him mm. said that it's possible to go 202 it's possible to go 203 but he said going under two is impossible like a former world really? marathon world <laughs> record holder has said that it is impossible to go under two hours funnily enough another former world marathon record holder and this is going back quite a few years listening to a podcast that I listened to the other day when I was kind of just listening back through some other ones. I think it was, it was the marathon talk podcast. So shout out to those guys. Cause it is quite an entertaining podcast. Yeah. They were interviewing Ron Hill and they asked him the same question. Ron Hill is for those who don't know, British runner from the sixties had the world marathon record. At, I think two Oh eight, possibly two Oh nine. I'm not sure, but they asked him is a sub two hour marathon possible. And he said no as well. Amazing. Granted that in, at that time, that was a good few years ago before things like the Sub 2 project from Nike had actually yeah. even, like that con that whole concept of using in-and-out pacemakers and no. having a laser and crazy technical shoes was actually... It wasn't thought of, but, yeah. but the thing is, ultimately, and we said this before and we can say it again, is whichever way you want to dress it up, a person on his own two feet has run over 26 <laughs> miles in under two hours. Exactly. And that's remarkable. And and you know, the I think maybe this is the the right point. If I can if I can go out on a whim here, if I can stride ahead of you slightly, go on. Is that if I draw parallels from how that run made me feel, is it really didn't you know, it didn't want to make me go out and run a marathon, but what it did do is it, it, it literally it kind of opened my eyes to the whole idea of because Kipchoge has inspired me massively outside of a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely after seeing that it's not yeah it's not inspired you like it doesn't have to inspire you to go out and run it just it has to inspire you to break down barriers in yeah, your own life exactly like literally i know this sounds like a massive cliche take a bit what you will call me a fanboy whatever <laughs> genuinely like if you're I, gonna say something else beginning with f there no but yeah well um <laughs> but you know genuinely things like getting up easier and just finishing tasks and those days where you feel like oh, i just remind myself that somebody else went out and did something absolutely unbelievable. Yep. And that, honestly, it gives me the motivation to just finish doing whatever I'm doing and move on to something else and then finish that, move on to something else. Like it really, that whole thing, that whole 
event from start to finish from when it was announced to him crossing the line and going hugging his wife i just it was something special that just unlocked this new way of thinking for me yeah so as that, in like you can just any goal you have have yeah. no, matter, no matter how small or massive if you yeah. execute that goal with excellence then yeah that's that's literally it so that's yeah. you know i think to, to move on from that he, it was a it was a world beater, not just from the time, but from you know certainly what it did to me and what I'm sure it's inspired a lot of other people to do as well. Absolutely, I mean it was a massive paradigm shift in what's actually possible for yeah. human performance. Yeah, and that's why it's our world athletics moment of 2019. Yeah, number um, one. I mean, come on, what else was it really going to be? <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on from that and let's have some of our personal moments of 2019. Do you want to go first? I can go first, yeah. Well, I suppose if I go first, I mean, uh, your last one kind of transitions us quite quite nicely into the main meat and potatoes of the podcast, which is talking about Project Parkrun yeah. and how to run a massive 5K PB. So, I mean, an obvious start for me was pacing the London Marathon. I mean, pacing the London Marathon was awesome. It was the experience of a lifetime. I got to hang out in the elite tent before a race with Kipchoge. I got to experience the crazy just noise and all of the crowds and everything like that and i think you'll agree being one of the as a spectator is you're kind of more excited for the leading runners than you are for kind of the rest of the pack yeah. until you see something like particularly interesting like for example someone dressed as big ben yeah i i, I think for me as somebody who enjoys watching the marathon more from like the performance standpoint like i enjoy watching the elite mm. races uh, the thing the thing that I like about that and talk about you know it's when you know you know when you you, you know when you're like you're looking for your mate at the train station and you just spot them for the distance you know <laughs> like you spot them and you get more excitement from spotting them than when you actually go up and give them a hug or something like that it's like you spot them for the first time you're like oh, there they are like that that's the, <laughs> that's the excitement that I got is like from where I was stood as the um, elite racers came through obviously you spot Kipchoge and then you spot me and you spot Mo it was like... it, it was awesome like just you know from from seeing literally from like seeing the assisted runs come through and the wheelchairs mm. and then the women and then you, you know and obviously Kipchoge and then you because i remember specifically seeing like the next pack come over the thing and going like is that kieran that one looks like kieran and then when i realized like, <laughs> as you got a bit closer you're at the front of that pack i was like yeah <laughs> you know so like i say it was, it was really special no definitely and also like it's just a level of excitement and enthusiasm that's quite hard to maintain when the crowds are like just thick crowds of people like running through it's kind of yeah but when you've got like just your one mate or just one runner that you've heard of that like you might be a bit of a fan of comes running past, like Callum Hawkins, for example, or yeah. Mo, you go mental for them for a couple of seconds and then you've got to wait 10, 15 seconds for the next person to come through. So then when you see them, it's really exciting. So That's it, yeah. being at that front end, you've, I felt like I got just that extra little bit of excitement from you're like, the crowd. You're, sit, you're effectively like sitting on the front seat in a roller coaster, weren't you? you got, kind of. Yeah. You got a better view than everyone else. You know, you're riding <laughs> shotgun. Exactly. No, it kind of was like that. And yeah, just having that full experience and getting to help a bunch of guys run massive PBs on that day as well, which was was cool as well, being able to tow those guys to some fast times. <laughs> yeah. So London Marathon, definitely in the top three for me. These are in no particular order, really, to be yeah. honest, because I'm no, kind of fair. equally happy or proud of each of them. Yeah. So the second one was the way that I came back from disappointment at the British Championship. So the British Championship 5000 was... I don't think anyone will mind me saying a slightly weaker field this year than it has been in previous years. So I was going into this thinking, this is my opportunity to do something really big here and to place really well at British Champs. And I was thinking, 
you know, top five on a decent day, maybe sneak a medal on my absolute best day. Yeah. And it got to, it was a slow race, which suited me quite well because I can finish relatively well off of a slow pace, off of, well, off of a steady pace. It wasn't absolutely jogging, but it definitely wasn't quick. Yeah. But it got to about halfway through. The field was all bunched up. Somebody made a ridiculous move. I won't name names, but basically a bunch of us got tripped up. There was two or three of us that fell over. I was one of those people and it just completely ruined my race. I couldn't do anything from that point. I can't remember where I even finished. I think I was ninth, 10th, something like that. Right. Way down the field versus where I wanted to be. Probably a good 30 or so seconds slower than I would have been because I spent a bunch of time just laying on the floor. And... If anyone listening to this who's fell over in a race or been tripped in a race, especially a race that short, will know once you've hit the ground and the pack that you're trying to race after is gone, like just that mental barrier is so hard to overcome. Yeah. And after that race was disappointment that I have felt only a few times in my career. Like I was gutted. I really thought I was ready to run really well that year at that championships. But I had a race coming up six days later. It was the Tombridge Twilight Invitational meet. I came back from that and I was like, right, I've got a point to prove. The race panned out pretty similarly to how British Champs did. It was a slow pace. Like it just ambled and ambled and ambled and then a big kick in the last 200. And I ended up winning that race, which I was really proud of. Nice. Not The time wasn't anything special. It was 8.07 for the 3,000 meters, which is a good 10, 15 seconds off of my personal best for that distance. But I had won the race, yeah, which and, I was really happy with. And like we said earlier, even in this pod, sometimes it doesn't have to be a quick race to be a good one. And exactly. It was that was just it was so satisfying to me to yeah. execute what I knew I was capable of, and had kind of I, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but unfairly snatched from my hands. Like the word unfair seems stupid to say in athletics, but yeah, unfairly snatched from me. Yeah. And then the race after that was the Swansea 10k, and I went out and won that as well. So just continuing that kind of bounce back from that disappointment, which I was, yeah, like I was, I was very proud of the way that I managed to do that. And then my final personal highlight from 2019 was just a couple of days ago in Julias in France, ran a 10K race and ran a pretty big road 10K PB of 28.52. And listeners, I was not wearing the shoes. Hey, there we go. Heaven, heaven <laughs> forbid that you would it ever. It is possible. You yeah. can <laughs> run a 10K PB just from training, just from being fitter than you were before. It yeah. happens. Not that I'm, I need to throw a disclaimer in here as well because some of my friends were in that race and they ran big PBs as well. Some in the shoes, some not. They're obviously trading hard. They're obviously in great shape. But you can't deny it. It's literally undeniable that those those next percent are a big performance enhancer. Yeah. So again, like you say, for you to be able to get over the it's a pers- it, like it's yeah. a personal thing for me. Like the, it's just it's just not for me until it gets to a point where it's like until the IWF a- have made a clear ruling. You have to wear a carbon fiber type shoe if you're going to be able to keep up. Yeah. Like, just to keep up, basically. Yeah. Otherwise, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. I stand on the start line wearing my non-carbon fiber shoes, wearing my Adidas Takumis, and I don't think that I'm at a disadvantage because I'm trying to be the best I can be, and I want that performance to be 100% me. Yeah. And that's just the way that I feel about it. Yeah. 
Anyway, there we go. That's that's three for three. We've, Strong. We've ticked them all off. We've done Nike, we've done Kipchoge, and we've done boxing. So on that note, let's move on to Sam Wade's personal highlights of 2019. So kick us off. Well, first thing I'm going to do is grab the notepad because I spoke about Because he can't even remember what he's done. <laughs> I spoke, spoke about them all earlier. I can barely, <laughs> barely remember where I got up to. Um, right. Da, 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 da. Here we go. Righty-ho. Um, so, yeah. So the first one I'll actually start off with is obviously we've talked a lot about marathon racing earlier. Mm-hmm. And I want to kind of cover two things or sort of yeah, half of the it's always like two or three things all revolve around the london marathon for me that it's basically yeah you see on the notes there i started yeah. taking proper notes and then gave up and just wrote london in big <laughs> capital letters <laughs> that's it so so for me knowing and like i said how much kipchoge is a personal inspiration to me going to london knowing that he'd be there and getting to watch him race especially as the last time i watched the london marathon live was in 2017 when he wasn't there because obviously he was getting ready for thingy a um breaking two mm-hmm. so to see him there and to see him run past me on a couple of occasions really was great for me mm-hmm. subsequently and the whole kind of reason that i went there is because i then made a video about the whole concept of how quickly he ran in berlin and how quickly he ran in london to win those two races yep check it out on youtube yeah, exactly. Um, to make that video and to, to make it in a really new way for me, which was to make most of the video before I had actually even gone to the event. So I'd made the video before the event with the knowledge of, right, I'd film when I was there, come back, bang the footage and get it uploaded you know, pretty much the same day, which I managed to do, which is something I'd not done before. And I managed to reap the reward from that because that video took off massively. And what it, was it? Well, go on, let's... Let's have a shameless plug, like boast a little bit. What was your numbers on that video? How well, many views did you get? The, the main, I mean, I think it's, it's over half a million now, six months later. <laughs> That's crazy. Which is, yeah, it's just, Half a million people have yeah. seen your face on it, the internet. <laughs> it, exactly, yeah. And um, the main one for me is it got the majority of that half a million inside the first week. It got 300,000 yeah. views inside a week, which for a nobody like me, as, as I stand on that platform, was hugely exciting. So to do those two things in relation to London was great. And then my third kind of key, you know, key point in relation to London on this was, and any loyal listeners to the podcast will know that I've now accepted into the marathon. I've not actually officially kind of announced it on my own social media yet. Yeah, no, um, it's all been just sort of through here. Yeah, but, but to get accepted into that, and I, and we will dive into this inevitably at some point in the not too distant future, mm. I cannot explain how much of a bucket list I am running the London Marathon is for me. It is one of those things that I've always, always, always wanted to do. Yeah, definitely. Well, from knowing you before and now after, you've kind of gotten really into running. Yeah. I mean, even when you weren't that into it, it was a big bucket list thing that you wanted to do. It was just yeah. run the London Marathon because London is a special place. The marathon is a special distance yeah. to you. Like, it's just... Yeah, and like I say, to and to and to kind of you know, like I say, my dad's done it, and and to follow all of that sort of thing, like I really wanted to do it. I really want to yeah, go and beat my dad's best time, which hundred percent would absolutely annihilate dad's. Best oh, you're going to take an hour off it? Yeah, sorry, dad. Um, <laughs> but you know, to do that was a really special moment. So I'm I'm yeah delighted to do that. So that's obviously kind of a three in one, all relating around the London Marathon for me. Um, The next one that we've got on here, and we can kind of morph these last couple of points together before we move on, Mm -hmm. is kind of getting some freedom um, and discovering kind of park run. And that has been the real catalyst for me to 
to get into running to the point where I'm recording podcasts with it about you and you know, really, really digging into it specifically. Uh, yeah, um, definitely. I think we can definitely credit Parkrun with what kind of made you get the real running bug. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and to maintain it as well. So without too much of a sob story, I was very unfortunate in June and uh, got laid off from the job I was doing. And the very first Saturday that I had available after I got laid off, I went immediately to my local park run, not knowing that you needed a barcode, not knowing whether I was actually going to have anywhere to drop my phone and my keys and things. So I didn't have like a water bottle or anything or you know, anything like that with me. Um, you know, literally went out, ran it on a whim, not knowing where the course was going or anything like yeah. that. Was this, this was the Chantry one? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So a hard course as well. Yeah. For those who know Chantry Park, Park Run. Yeah. Ouch. Um, and I finished, I want to say I finished ninth in that run and I finished it in something like 20 minutes, 33 Mm-hmm. or 20 or tw- I, I remember it being around 20 and then it you being was, like right i want to break 20 yeah so and for me just kind of being even though obviously getting laid off is not a nice thing to happen being able to have a saturday morning the first one i ever did was really beautiful sunny day just thinking like wow i've got this time now i can really use this and then when i subsequently went on and got another part-time job which i'm doing at the moment still in the interview i said look specifically keeping my saturday mornings is really important to me so i can go out mm-hmm. and do that and like so park run has kind of it's almost ignited that fire again it's taught me a lot about myself in terms of running and understanding a distance and timing and all that kind of thing so it's kind of it's almost i've discovered some freedom and i've also discovered a little bit about kind of you know like challenging yourself basically yeah. setting goal setting again so similar to yeah. when we did the project five i yeah. mean between project five and what we'll talk about next project park run yeah you hadn't really set yourself a goal so finding park run for you was quite inspiring because obviously jumping from the mile to the marathon is scary it's a massive challenge 26.2 times the distance that you raced so so yeah no it's a 5k it's a nice little in between yeah um and then yeah we'll we'll do this and we'll dive in because i'm just conscious of time and, and things like that as well but um but yeah to kind of finish off the year you know you and i recorded that top of your game podcast which if you haven't listened to it scroll back through us on itunes or on spotify and you'll find it it was really like, right, we're going to take those ideas that we talked about, apply them to me on my park run and just see what happens. Exactly. And after sort of four weeks, four and a half weeks, however long it was of kind of applying myself and understanding the run and what I wanted to achieve, going out on, you know, a pretty drizzly Saturday morning and going out. And, it was horrible weather. Yeah. Absolutely horrible weather. And going out and just absolutely smashing a PB was a really uplifting feeling really really uplifting feeling so exactly and that is what we're now going to talk about for the rest of the podcast yeah, that's kind of... sam's moment of 2019 it's yeah. it was such a good moment and it was really satisfying for me as well because i'd worked really hard with you as well yeah. and i'd seen all of the miles that you'd put in the hard workouts and to see you run a 53 second guys 53 second personal best over yeah. 5k i mean that's unimaginable for a lot of people to run that and to be fair i want to say as well i think for me at the sort of level i run that's really significant because if you went out and ran a 55 second pb i'd run sub 13 exactly (laughs) yeah it'd be be... suddenly i'm a contender for global medals exactly (laughs) you know and for the you know for the other average person who maybe doesn't take running that seriously they're kind of you know their pb could be it could be massively wayward it could be one way or t'other but for me at that sort of like moderate level that i run at mm-hmm. to be able to take that much of a 
block off in that short of a time period, I think is really significant. I don't know if that sounds boastful. No, no, but... definitely not. I mean, it's, it is really significant. It was a really big achievement. So you're right to be boastful about it. I don't, I wouldn't call it boastful, but yeah, he's just fist pumped there. Off. <laughs> no, I haven't. I don't, don't know what you, what would a verbal fist pump be? <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I don't know if that'll even come up. It will. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. No, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. 53 seconds in six weeks, by the way, we gave ourselves to do this project. So let's, yeah, let's just talk about Project Parkrun. I mean, that was the result, obviously. It went from a 1914 to an 1821, which, again, like we say, at that level, 53 seconds is a lot. Like, it's yeah. not like you've gone from 31 minutes to running 30 minutes in the parkrun, which... I mean, that's an achie- a big achievement in itself, but it's as you get faster, it gets harder to yeah, make of improvements of the same amount. So, yeah, well, let's draw. I think, right, if I can again go out on a bit of a limb here to draw a parallel, right? When I first started running my park runs, I was over at Chantry, like I say, the fat first run that I did, I ran in a great time for me at that time, which was 20 and a half, whatever it was. And then the focus that I had to have just to break 20 in that, like, yeah. really, it took a lot for me to be able to focus and actually break that. Uh, and I eventually did. And I ran a 1933, which is, a, you know, I think it's fair to say a really good time over on that course. Um, I remember what that took from me and how I felt doing it. And then to go out and to go there, even saying to run sub-19, it just sounded a bit scary. I know that sounds crazy, but... Yeah, it, well, it, I have my thoughts in my head of the kind of shape that I think you were in as well, based yeah. off of your sessions. And, I mean, let's talk about the day that you went out and did it on, because that was a horrible day. I mean, it was wet and muddy underfoot to the point where they actually had to change the course slightly. Yeah. And cut some of it out in the woods, because it was just, it was too muddy. You wouldn't have been able to run through there. Yeah. You had to change your shoes into some what what were they called again? The uh, like trail running, trail shoes, yeah, which is something I'm not personally familiar with. I mean, I just no. I'd have chucked on a pair of cross country spikes or something, but I mean, those looked like they probably might have done an even better job because they had meaty, grippy things all the way down, all yeah. the way down to like the heel. Yeah, and you <laughs> you actually came out probably looking significantly worse than everyone else in the race because you'd just gone through all of the puddles and the muddy bits just straight through no avoiding them or anything exactly which speaks i think a lot for the determination that you had on that day yeah but i mean we showed up and i was wearing about five layers with my hood (laughs) and it was urinating it down with rain yeah (laughs) trying to keep it clean here yeah good work urinating it down with rain and i just thought like oh man like he's only gonna run like 15 20 seconds quicker than he did the couple of weeks ago because when yeah. he did the 1914 it was in pretty good conditions and it's pretty dry underfoot yeah and i i'll be honest i had my doubts i don't know if you did at all based on the weather um i was pretty confident that i'd break 19 but if you just said to yeah. me uh, do you know what funny enough and we'll give a shout out to ollie who was on the start line with me yes who i beat way um, <laughs> but no I, uh, <laughs> sorry ollie i know you're quicker running than me generally so right, we'll um, go out for a run on sunday and he'll drop me so it's exactly fine. but yeah so um but he on the start line said to me oh what, what are you gonna run today sam like because he was quite excited to know that like today was the day mm-hmm. and i said to him i remember saying to him like i'd like to run sub 19 thinking i'd actually really like to go like under 1940 was mm-hmm. like or under 19 well i oh, no, sorry not under um, 1940 under like 1840 well here's sorry. the bold claim is i think you're in shape to go sub 18 on a perfect day yeah and uh, well you ran 1821 in horrible conditions and with not amazing pacing it wasn't bad 
but it wasn't great. No, it could have. And and you know what? And the thing is, I think had you have said, if I think had you have been, if I jumped, course, if I jumped in and I'd said, Sam, follow me. Yeah, and we're going to even gonna... splits for eighteen flat. You probably could have done. Like maybe you'd have ended up eighteen oh five. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and and the thing is, and, and mentally with that run, because I didn't know. Should I tell you what the most frustrating thing was about that whole thing? Is Go on. I had specifically gone out because considering what we're going to say on top of your game mm-hmm. mentally i wanted to make sure i had an edge so i actually went and walked around the course beforehand Did, yeah and you got to, the to, mile splits which ended up being useless <laughs> yeah which then ended up being completely waylaid because uh, they weren't relevant and do you know what it was only because you let me borrow your watch i hadn't any clue of what i was doing yeah it was just that bleep once every mile that that's how you knew where you were yeah exactly yeah. so yeah mentally to kind of overcome that was a was a big thing Mm. Um, well let's talk about some of the other mental challenges that you had to overcome in the training and in the build-up for that because obviously you had to deal with your race distance that you had previously focused on being times by three and a bit yeah and how was that for you thinking right i've i know how to run hard for four minutes 57 i've done that before i ran my sub five minute mile but now i need to run right on that knife's edge as hard as i can for 18 minutes plus yeah it it I'd say what it didn't feel too daunting because I think I was I think I quite clearly knew that even though you had to run on a on you know on your edge it was a very different edge to running on the mile like it didn't mm. feel like I had to go out and do that mile time three times over it <laughs> felt you know because part of the thing that we talked about obviously in that podcast was running your own race and I was Absolutely. I was I tell you what I was super conscious of that the whole way around and that's what made it much easier for me and you did that very well that was one of the things that I thought you were always in a position that you were comfortable is the wrong word but you're always in the right spot you didn't get sucked into any yeah going out way too hard or hanging back and then trying to come through or if somebody made a mid-race surge you didn't you just stuck to stuck to your task did what you needed to do yeah and got i think you got pretty much the absolute optimum out of yourself that you could have done in that race on that day exactly and in in terms of my game plan it was really go out and stay quick enough through the first part just to see how it felt yep. and then by that point i was i was in second as we kind of went out to the long out and back or something like that mm-hmm. and i thought to myself okay that feels good maybe i can kick <laughs> at the end but then i felt the guys who the two guys that then finished first, first and, and second, second respectively yeah. um i felt them come through and i thought don't go with them because they could go out and run like a 17 and a half minute they could do something ridiculous that you'll end up really hurting yourself over which i think the winner did run about 17 20 or so it was something i don't think it was that fast i think i think it was about 18 minutes in the end oh, okay um but don't gone with them but anyway <laughs> i ran i ran my own race and the thing is as a result of that they never felt like they were massively out of distance but the thing that then happened as a result of that is me trusting in myself and not following on from them meant that ollie who was running ahead of me all of you a sudden you were able to then reel him in and then go past him exactly yeah. yeah all of a sudden he became this kind of subconscious thing for me which was okay well i know he runs you know pretty quick most weeks yep can i stick with him and see what happened and then in the end it was actually sticking with him for a little bit that gave me that it gave me a confidence boost because I thought if I go with him and then he flies off, that's going to really make me feel silly. But mm. it's the fact that I stuck with him and I said to myself, right, just stick with him for a bit, stick with him for a bit, stick with him for a bit, knowing what he was capable of. Yep. And then in the end, me going, no, nah, no, I think I can do this and <laughs> I think I can go for it. And then not even dropping the hammer, just just turning the screw just a little bit. Well, from what he said, I spoke to him after the race and I, yeah. you did as well. He said, when you moved past him, you moved hard or it felt like you moved hard. So 
didn't feel yeah. like it for me. <laughs> well, but, there you go. That's but that's yeah, but that's that's what we want. That's what I wanted to achieve. You know? Yeah, it, is, <laughs> it didn't feel hard. It felt. I tell you what, it felt like to me is it felt like a let's go and let's just. Do you know what it felt like to me? It actually felt like a kind of a proper race. It felt like, let's have a bit of fun here. I was going to say, and how great is that feeling? And some most people, I think, listening to this will be able to resonate with this is when you go past someone and you know you've broken them. Oh, I When t- you know that they're not, you're going to beat them that day. You and, go past them and it's like, yeah, you're mine. Yeah, and do you know what? And this is no disrespect to Ollie because he's yeah, a hell of a runner. Yeah, but, but he's, a, he's, a he- he's a hell of a runner and he, and he runs very quick most weeks and much quicker. He then proceeds to run quicker than me on the next park run that we did. Um, I think he's got more wins than anyone else I know at Kesgrave. So. Yeah, so... So, but the, th- the thing was that time is I genuinely didn't know. I had that slight, f- you know, when you have that slight fear, but it's kind of exciting fear. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of like, yeah, come on then. Let's have a, let's have a crack <laughs> kind of fear. I had that pretty much all the way down that back straight. And the thing that was really nice, and again, mentally was quite nice, is how they rearranged the course. It didn't have that horrible bit through the woods. It was literally, yeah. you finish the turn, bang, bang, corner, and then you're done. And for me- <laughs> Big last 200. Yeah. For me, when I went around that first corner- doing that and being able to see in my kind of peripheral that he was still a fair distance behind me mm-hmm. that for me at that point was like Abby you know it was it you was switched your focus suddenly from trying to hold him off to then trying to get as close to the next guy in front of you as you could basically yeah, run as fast as you could yeah as far under your that's it that that was it it was that case of you've gone out there you've run really strongly against someone who I know can run very quick mm. and then to be able to see that kind of a sizable distance which you know as far as he's concerned maybe it was out of nowhere like, I've never done that before no. where, well, I, I imagine if it from? was me I'd have been like whoa what is Sam doing here yeah and then to be able to still finish with gas left you know enough gas in the tank to sprint through the line at least yeah. was <laughs> uplifting that um, was good to see, and then yeah. finish with a good, uh, a good, heave. a good dry heave. Yeah, yeah it was, might not uh, have been dry actually. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, I don't. We really we, know we won't spend too long talking it. about the consistency of your puke post race. <laughs> no, we'll, how, uh, we'll leave that to the listeners' imagination. Yeah. However, the one thing I must say is going through that run. I think it's a good sign of somebody who, like I say, you can tell that you've performed strongly, as strong as you could realistically, because I ran through that line, and immediately, like I say, had a bit of a dry heave proceeded to me pretty much dropping to my knees going like i'm not sure i want to stand up right now <laughs> it was that it was that kind of feeling <laughs> fair mm. all right so let's talk a little bit about the training of how you got from 1914 to 1821 yeah sure thing um i think we can kind of go through it in f- relative kind of we've, yeah we've speed, well, we've got your we've... training program open here yeah so let's just talk about a couple of kind of key highlights and okay. i can think of a couple of like right off the bat basically yeah the first one being the hill session that i set you your yeah. first ever hill session yeah i've seen few people in more i wouldn't call it pain but just kind of just hating their life strong discomfort <laughs> strong yeah. discomfort yeah from... You running your first hill session. I mean, and the big thing for me is that is that wasn't just a first hill session. That was the first kind of like structured interval workout thing I'd done since Project Five. In the best part, yeah, what eighteen months or so, almost, yeah, something like that. It was a long time. So to do that and then to go out and absolutely muller that first hill, run up it, and God knows how quick, and then know that I still had you know eight or nine of them left, however many it was, that was a stinger, and. I'll tell you what, and this is this is probably actually really bad to be feeling, 
But every time I was walking down that hill, I'd get to the bottom and I'd look up and I could just about see where you were at the top of that hill. My <laughs> brain honestly felt like it was going to explode. Gen- honestly, it was... You had the, the lactic headache. It was a proper lactic headache, but it was re- it was surreal because I could feel it. Like, you know, you know, you feel like almost like pulsing kind of mm. like... You know, yeah, you I was, I was literally about to say pulsating. It, yeah, it yeah, literally. But you've still got more work to do. Yeah, it felt like that. And the thing is, once I got going, I kind of learned the discipline and I sort of, I went really hard thought oh god that hurt that first rep was <laughs> yeah i mean i had a spot that i wanted sam to hit in about 70 seconds i thought that was reasonable yeah. first rep you come through in what 58 i think it was 57 yeah. 58 yeah i saw that and i was like oh no this is gonna <laughs> listen to you breathing and like <laughs> saw the saw by your form kind of how much effort you were putting into it and yeah. i was like oh boy this is gonna be a long next 11 reps yeah <laughs> but to be fair so i did that and then i th- my determination to go through things like this, I think, is a lot stronger than I initially give myself credit for. Because yeah, well, what that session did, specifically that hill session, is, oh, my God, it toughened you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was like, okay, he's gone, you've gone through this. Like, this is the worst you're going to feel throughout this entire training block now. Yeah, and to have that done right at the start, it, it did give me a lot of determination. And I'll <laughs> It did, you- but then you went back in a couple of weeks and you ran 12 hills from the bottom quicker than you did that week and you came back to me and you said that felt fine yeah genuinely really really genuinely and the thing it is was similar well, to what we discussed i mean i think your effort there reflects what we discussed in last week's podcast with or not last week's couple of weeks ago's podcast with jake yeah. where jake shelley that is who where he said and we agreed that one of the nicer and best methods of training is to train at about 80 percent, so that you can then up your game and race at 100 percent. yeah and that's something that i really do wish we had paid more attention to on the top of your game podcast i yeah. think we did briefly go into overtraining yeah if i remember right but the fact that you were able to complete that and think do you know what i could have done two three more yeah or if you've done if you're doing sets of a session like yeah i could finish i could do another set but i'd be all out if i did that yeah. and the other thing as well is is to, to yeah again not to make it a sub story but that first one we did was at like 11 o'clock in the morning it was you know, it was it was windy. Don't get us wrong, which was another thing that didn't help. But I think the wind was blowing you down the hill that day as well. Yeah. I mean, I've done sessions where the wind blows you up the hill and you yeah. feel like you're absolutely flying, like but, you're basically running but, on flat. But, but when but... I went back and did it the next time, you know, like say two or three weeks later, whenever it was, it was I did it in the dark, did it in the wet. It was n- grim conditions and mm. just and I, I think it was one of those ones you go like, I've got to go and do it. I've got to go and do it. I've got to go and do it. And the thing is, once I got going, it felt okay. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was, again, it was that mental barrier of overcoming it. And then once I'd done it and I felt okay, I went, oh, yeah. But, yeah it's <laughs> Not so bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was a, excuse me, that was a highlight again from the session. So that was one of those highlighted sessions. The um, second one, I think, and I think you're going to, you're literally, you've just scrolled over it now. Yeah. I think Go I know on. which one you're going to say. You're going to say what the, is it? You're going to say the fartlek session. No, actually, no, I was thinking. The... Well, let's go. Let's talk about the fartlek session then, because that's one that's clearly stuck with you. So, yeah. well, basically, listeners, Kieran sent me this fartlek session where the idea is it's a really good idea on paper, um, which is <laughs> you jog for a minute and then run for two and then you. Hold on, I'm, I'll, I'll interject here. Go on, then. <laughs> or... So the fartlek session was one minute, two minute, three minute, four, five, yeah. five, four, three, two, one. So one, two, three, four, five. Five, five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. With half of that time as your recovery time, jog, stand, do whatever you got to do. So if you do a two-minute rep, you get one-minute recovery. Five-minute rep, you get two and a half minutes recovery. Yeah. So it's basically it, it's a ladder. You're going up and then down the ladder. Yeah. So you know that session by itself was it was fine and on paper I think it works tremendously well as a session. But the thing that I really struggled with was the 
the only time I really had the opportunity to go out and do it was when it was dark and it was cold and it just wasn't the conditions weren't ideal and, no, I, and you also didn't have a proper watch as well so you had no you didn't have a huge you knew where you were roughly yeah but, but it wasn't hugely accurate and and mm. even if I had had a proper watch the one thing that felt a bit more challenging for me because it was a new thing don't forget was I felt like I had to spend a lot of time looking at my watch to get it yes, right yeah and well you'd never done anything with active recoveries before yeah and for tra- for sub for breaking five it was all pretty much go stop go stop pretty much yeah, yeah. It was just intervals yeah and and to do that you know on paper like i said it felt okay but i didn't i didn't enjoy having to look at my watch i didn't enjoy doing that session in the dark and it it was a real it was one of those things by the time i got halfway through it i was like do you know what i'll finish this session and i'll, I'll give it what i'm supposed to give it but this is not one that i've enjoyed Mm. um so so that's yeah that's just which was i think that's a really interesting perspective as well because i do think for the 5k especially fartlek training is something that is really important because you have when you're out there in the race you'll have those varied paces yeah and you'll be hit like fartlek just hits all the zones basically yeah especially one like that where you've got a mixture of long and short reps you would have been going slower than 5k pace at 5k pace and faster than 5k pace yeah all in a run where you're constantly on the move yeah and yeah like i say it's again it's one of those things you've got to you learn a lot about yourself because obviously you know you go right i've got to put it down then you go oh i don't get to stop i've got to keep running then (laughs) yeah you you you, mentally it's a a big challenge and it was for me so that's that's all i mean it's yeah i'd happily do it again but well that's good because you're gonna have to in your marathon build up yeah woo (laughs) but you know i i think it's yeah i didn't enjoy it at the time basically no that's fair and i think a lot of that might have been due to extraneous like other circumstances yeah but it will be interesting to see what you make of fartleg runs in the future when i have you do them to see whether that is just something that you just don't like doing it's similar to What's the session that I don't enjoy? I don't really enjoy doing speed work. So all out sprinting on the track, for example, a session like six times 300 meters with yeah. three or four minutes recovery would be my idea of hell. Hey. Um, just because I don't I don't thrive off of that type of running. But give me 12 times a K off a minute. I love it. I'll lap that shit up all day. But yeah, so that's, a, that's an interesting perspective. We'll move on to one final highlight session, which I think was the session that kind of made you. And that's... Is that my icy track session? Your icy track session. I think that's the one that got you really kind of. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I just I was really proud of you for actually getting through it. To be honest, because it was horrendous conditions on that track. Picture the scene, everyone. You're out of the running track. You've managed to get there, but not throughout struggle because it was much later than you wanted to be. You get to the track. It's freezing cold, and then you look around the track itself. There's mist sort of rolling in from all directions. And then there's bits of standing like black ice on the track. It was so bad. I mean, I nearly pulled you off and just said, right, we'll just go to time and we'll do it around the infield. Exactly. It was foul in terms of pretty much any any aspect of it you can pick out. There was a yeah. negative aspect attached to it. So I can't remember exactly what the session was. was that, I'm about was, to look at it right now. I'm I, pretty sure it was 1200s and 400s. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. So we had three times 200 off of a minute. Yep. A 1,200, a 230 rest after the last one. Yep. 1,200, 230 rest, eight 400s off 45 seconds, which was a brand new, that short of a recovery to you was yeah. brand new. Like you'd never done anything like that. Yeah. 230 rest after set, 
another 1200 at 5k pace 230 rest and then three 200s off of a minute yeah so like not an easy session and probably the most 5k specifics type session that you did yeah and and the, and the main thing for me with that like i say was getting back getting back to the track and and kind of respecting the track and what it offered but then knowing that i had to deal with the you know the hellish conditions because there was a few areas that specifically on that track were particularly bad yeah and what that meant is even though obviously a track is running in a lane you had to sometimes deviate out of your lane or you had to kind of you know you almost had, you to, had run, to just kind of run snake around in yeah. your lane which is something that doesn't sound like a huge amount but when or you'd even just have to spend 20 meters just spinning the wheels and just getting through it and then make up time when you could run properly again yeah exactly and do you know what it almost because the back straight i remember on that like that back kind of 100 meters on the bend the back straight it was the home straight was okay but not great yeah the top bend was the best bit of running the back yeah. straight was all right yeah a bit then... better than the home straight but not great but then that bend by the water jump oh yeah it's bad and i don't know why i think because the trees had obviously kept you know it's just you know, kept the sunlight area, off it, it? so, yeah. so the ice had never really melted and it it was really bad and the thing is shall i tell you how mentally i sort of overcame it because from a from a normal running standpoint i'd go that's enormously frustrating that you can't <laughs> keep any kind of consistency and how i sort of had to learn to overcome it was right easy off at touch here and i almost effectively looked at it as a rest period i was like right yeah. take you know 10 seconds of rest as you run around that last icy bit it was almost the 400 meter reps for example almost became 200 on 100 off 100 on yeah almost and that's kind of how i had to look at it and and doing it that way was a really sensible way for me to kind of get the most out of that session i think and you still averaged about 83 for your 800 for your 400 meter reps, i think which... yeah i think well, generally i was fairly consistent um, no you were well i mean should we read out the splits no no one wants no, to no, to no, no um, i'm not that interested i won't lie <laughs> Um, but he just doesn't want you to know that his first one was his quickest again. Oh, was it? Got a bit excited. Uh, oh yeah, I did fly <laughs> around that top top hundred meters. Anyway. You weren't too much. There's only a six second differential between fastest to slowest, which for you is pretty solid. Yeah, I think it probably helps that I was trackside yelling Shout, at you to slow me, down yeah. or speed up when you needed to. But yeah, um, but yeah, that was that was again that was one of those moments where coming away from that session, knowing that we'd overcome the ice and. Also, I remember that I ran super slowly in that second K or 1200 or whatever it was. The second 12, I think you you almost forgot that you were in a session and you just sort of... I think that you was tempo, my... You tempoed around it a little bit. I think you were, off the top of my head, about six minute pace. It was... that possibly even a little slower, which obviously is slower than your 5K pace. Yeah, but for me at that point, that was just that kind of, that grit. If you'd come through the nasty part of the run, which was obviously yeah. those 400s in the ice, and that was just that kind of right just get around it, just finish it, and then you'll pull it out for the last bit, which for those last 200s... You closed well. I mean, you were... Yeah. Th well, I'll read those out. You were 37, 37, and 35 off of a yeah. minute recovery. And remember, we were jogging, we were getting there, and then we were running in the 60 seconds across the field yeah. to get to the start line where you could actually run properly yeah, instead of having to go around over. the slippery bend. Yeah. But even then, I think you can probably give yourself another second or so on each of those, because I would say go... And you would sort of take a step forward, but your foot would go backwards to like a meter or so. Like, like you so take a step back because you just slip on the ice at the start line, and then you'd be able to get going and get into your running. Yeah, so, so it was it was it was a real. And do you know what? Just running in the winter, like we've talked about, you need a lot of grit and determination to do it. And for me, I'm still discovering how much of that I have. Like I can go out and mm. I can run 
a 5k faster than a lot of average people at a park run but for me learning really how to dig deep and learn it was was something that was it was good for me it's, you're discovering the grind basically yeah essentially which is i mean it's been it's been quite fun to to follow your journey and to watch you kind of figure out like what running training is basically yeah no i agree i, I know what you mean and and to a lot of people you'd think running training you know oh, i'm gonna go and run a marathon yeah, or i'm gonna go, go out, out for a run oh yeah. you're doing a marathon run for longer you're doing a 5k oh run quicker it's yeah exactly there's so much more to it than that and being able to drip feed you kind of all of those little elements of things that you need to do, just yeah. small things about taking care of yourself in this project, I think was just, it was really fun to see. And it was really fun to apply it to you and see just how much of an improvement you could make. Because yeah. in terms of the actual running you did, other than those couple of sessions, we didn't do much that different from no. when you ran the control 5k. Yeah, It was really the applying yourself mentally and physically giving yourself the best chance you could on the day yeah versus and i mean when you showed up to the first one you probably showed up you're probably dehydrated underslept maybe not even fueled correctly you you weren't wearing you wore the shoes the um the trail shoes on the second run which yeah which i didn't on the first that one was then. yeah well that was one of the aspects that yeah. you talked about and being on top of your game yes yeah. And you know what, something that I want to do, and I think I'll probably try and close this off now because obviously we're taking up a lot of your time again, da, 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 as we always do. Oh, we'll definitely record this one in 40 minutes <laughs> and then an hour and a half later. Yeah. Um, but no, to, to summarize this, the next run that I went, and this is not to discredit anything that we've done, but I think it's really important to focus on the whole idea. The next park run that I went out and did, and they readjusted it to the old course, which has mm -hmm. a sticky bit in the woods and blah, blah, blah. I went out and I ran something like 18.22. So on paper, it's only actually a second difference. It's about the same, yeah. In a worse course, you know, and whether or not we're standing and all that sort of thing. I take how I felt on those two things. And if you don't ask me, you know, on paper, the performance is near as makes no difference. Mm -hmm. However, when I went out on the, you know, the, the main run that we've been talking about, mm -hmm. I felt determined. I knew I was going to run quick. I knew I was going to set a personal best. And I knew... Once I got kind of, you know, two thirds of the way, halfway around, I knew you were on for something pretty good. I knew I was going to finish strong and I knew I was going to come in uh, you know, in the top three at least or something like mm -hmm. that. Or I was going to really give th third and fourth a run for its money. Yep. So I felt you know, on top of my game to talk about because I knew <laughs> I had the right shoes and I f was feeling good and I thought nothing's going to stop me. You were prepared, right? like you'd prepared well. You'd had yeah. a, an air of kind of professionalism about you. Exactly. Going into the next week or the couple of weeks after, whenever it was, I went out with the discipline of, right, you don't need to do anything amazing. You don't need to just relax, stay calm. Da, da, da. Yeah, I just had mm -hmm. some completely different thoughts set. You know, didn't go out with this. I'm going to bang it down the home straight, whatever it was. I just went out to go out and finish it and run. And I didn't do anything exceptional. So even though I finished in a relatively similar time, mm -hmm. the difference, if you'd asked me, was I on the top of my game that day? I'd have said, nah. No way. On that yeah, second the performance one, suggests that you were. Uh, but, but screw the performance because what could have, you know. <laughs> but no, but what I literally mean by that is you have to think it was muddy and wet and sloppy and whatever, right? How I actually felt on that day, given everything else that happened, the change of course, the wet weather, everything, mm -hmm. I felt like I ran. And the fact that I finished with that kind of, you know, yeah, at the end of it, that gave me. You ran to your limit, is what yeah, you're trying to say. That gave yeah. me the feeling that like I genuinely had run as. as 
and let's not forget what we said top of your game was on the top, start of that podcast. It's running as well as you can on, on a given, given day, day. On a given Absolutely. day. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's exactly what we mentioned earlier on in this podcast. That's the point that I want to finish on. That is the point that I was going Love for. That. Even though I came obviously close on paper to that last one, how I felt was that I hadn't run as good as I possibly could on that day. I could have got a new PB, but I didn't yeah. run as good as I possibly could have. Whereas on the previous one, I felt like I had run as good as I possibly could have. I like that. So takeaway message, should we say then, for this podcast that we would encourage everybody to strive towards in 2020 is go out there, be the best you can be on that day. Love it. All right. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Sorry again for taking up so much of your time. Don't apologize. Or you're welcome if you absolutely (laughs) loved it like we have. We promise to continue our ramblings, hopefully with more frequency than we have done between these last two podcasts and look forward to seeing you next time thanks again everyone guys